You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wins games. With that, welcome in to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on all things Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. As we chat this Saturday morning, the Rockets have just gotten back to Houston after wrapping up a 4-1 preseason with a 121-103 win in Memphis on Friday night. It was even more lopsided than the score might suggest. The Rockets just started with an avalanche of threes. That's where the math reference comes from. 13 of their first 23 were made. On the night, they were 20 of 47, which is above 40%. And they were up 54 to 27, not even 20 minutes into the game. James Harden led the way in scoring 23 points, 7 of 15 shooting, but he had lots of help. Chris Paul in his 30 minutes, 14 and 11, made three of his five threes. And James Ennis, who appears to have secured a starting spot, 11 points in just 21 minutes, but made all three of his shots from behind the arc. Kamalo Anthony off the bench, 11 points, three of six from three. In a game, the Rockets treated as a dress rehearsal, really all your regulars other than Michael Carter-Williams, still out with a little bit of left knee soreness. They all played. We got to see what the rotation sort of looked like heading into the regular season opener next Wednesday and so far so good a lot of positives to talk about and that's what we're going to do on Saturday's show as we make our way through in our usual three points recap style we also should acknowledge that a lot of injured guys did come back really the only Rockets that have played all five preseason games the Rockets finishing four and one in those were Chris Paul James Harden and James Ennis More on them momentarily. But the guys who did have minor nicks and bumps, particularly your more important ones, Clint Capella, he came back in just 20 minutes playing against Mark Gasol, had a double-double, 12 points, 13 boards. And then Eric Gordon off the bench coming off a little bit of Achilles soreness, which is always a little bit of a red flag with a guard. Played just in the first half, but got 16 minutes in, made 50% of his shots, including 40%, 2 of 5 from behind the arc, 12 points in those 16 minutes. So as far as the minor bumps and bruises to your critical role players, likes of Clint Capella and Eric Gordon. Again, so far, so good. A pretty encouraging sign that they're able to give you that level of production and efficiency in what effectively was a dress rehearsal just a few days before the season opens for real on Wednesday. But to me, I mentioned his name earlier, but the lead item that I want to discuss, and to me it might be the biggest takeaway of the entire preseason, is James Ennis played just 21 minutes Friday night, but in those 21 minutes, made all three of his shots from behind the arc, 11 points, and it's a continuation of an incredible preseason for him, at least from an efficiency standpoint. In those five games that he played, averaged over 11 points in 25 minutes, shot over 58% from the field, and better than 56% from three. Now, will this last over the season? Of course not. Look, everyone's going to have peaks and valleys, and you have to acknowledge the preseason defenses are not locked in. That said, it's tough to shoot that well against air. 
one of the big questions with Ennis coming to the Rockets was how good is he as a shooter? Because after the trade last season that sent him from Memphis to Detroit, he wasn't very good, shooting just about 30% after going to the Pistons. And in this offense where you're going to get a lot of open threes playing alongside the likes of James Harden and Chris Paul, you need to be able to stick those. And I don't care who you're playing against. I don't care what the defensive intensity is. You don't shoot 56% from three over a five-game stretch, especially on high volume, which we know is the case here in Houston and it's putting up those 56-plus percent from three on more than three attempts per game. And for that matter, it's not just the shooting efficiency with James Ennis. You look at the net rating, combining both offense and defense, when James Ennis was on the floor per 100 possessions, the Rockets were plus 22.8. That is astounding, and it reflects just how well he plays on both ends of the floor. We've mentioned the shooting a lot because the numbers are just eye-popping, but he's also been as advertised defensively. He's energetic. He plays the passing lanes. He gets out in transition, and he just brings you so many just hustle points. He does so many little things all over the floor, and when you're playing alongside historically great offensive players like James Harden and Chris Paul, that's just an ideal compliment. And really, I think it's reflected in the fact that after going into the preseason, with a lot of uncertainty as to who would be your starting three. We heard early in camp that the Rockets were heavily considering starting Eric Gordon there, possibly after a Western Conference Finals run in which he was a lot more playable those three-guard lineups than we previously expected against the Warriors. Well, James Ennis went out in camp, and he earned that starting small forward job. And I think it's pretty clear that we're through five preseason games, and Eric Gordon didn't start any of them. And Mike D'Antoni, in his comments to the media in Memphis, basically confirmed that the rotation as it was on Friday night, with the possible exclusion of Michael Carter-Williams, assuming he's back for the opener, and they expect that he will be, is going to be your rotation for the regular season, at least to start the season. And that means starting James Ennis. And holding off a player as accomplished as Eric Gordon is not easy to do. Now, some of it was circumstantial. Early in the preseason, P.J. Tucker missed the first two games with back soreness, which pushed Carmelo Anthony into a starting role. And I believe Mike D'Antoni was accurate when he said that those games, it wasn't so much deciding Ennis versus Gordon. It was a matter of needing some scoring punch off the bench. And without Carmelo, they wanted Eric Gordon in that bench role to help anchor the bench. Nonetheless, though, even if it was circumstantial, Ennis got an opportunity, and he took full advantage of it on both ends of the floor. He gave you the shooting numbers offensively. We heard a lot in the offseason about him working on his mechanics. That translated, but he didn't lose any of the efficiency, the effort that he normally gives you on defense as well. And so when you combine it, you get a perfect glue guy to play alongside Chris Paul and James Harden in that starting lineup. Now, we shouldn't treat it as a done deal that this is the lineup and this is the way it's going to be. We know the Rockets are flexible. It could be matchup-based. It could be that during the year they flow back towards more three-guard lineups, depending on exactly how this works out. And if you remember back to last year, as much as we think of P.J. Tucker as a mainstay, as a starting four, he actually was not your regular starting four until after the All-Star break. They started more games last year, the 65-win Rockets, with Ryan Anderson at the four than they did P.J. Tucker. So yes, these things can change, and perhaps there are circumstances down the road that get Eric Gordon the chance as the starting three. But the reason I think they're going with Ennis, besides the fact that obviously he's playing very good basketball on both ends of the floor, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And when it comes to replacing the chemistry they had a year ago, the groupings, James Ennis, for a lot of reasons, is the most comparable body on this current team to Trevor Ariza in terms of his length, his flexibility defensively, his potential role on the offensive end of the floor, Eric Gordon is a stylistic change, and if you don't feel like you can trust James Ennis, maybe you're worried about his three-point stroke, then yeah, I could see turning to Eric Gordon, 
who certainly in some ways can even make you a better team than you were with Trevor Ariza at the three spot. But in other ways, of course, namely size, there's a reason teams traditionally have a guy six seven six eight as your starting small forward spot. It does get, provide more versatility in terms of who each player can guard, which is very crucial with a defense that switches as much as the Rockets do. In general, it's just that for a lot of reasons, James Ennis is the safer play. He checks more of the boxes as far as a traditional small forward. And as far as balance in your starting lineup, you've got the big three of Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella. And now you surround them with two glue guys and PJ Tucker and James Ennis who do the little things. So to me, we'll see how it works in the regular season. Again, there is the caveat that these are preseason games. Opposing defenses are not dialed in, although I do think the Grizzlies, who the Rockets played twice in the preseason, beating both times, I thought they played pretty hard. You can tell that, led by Mark Gasol and Mike Conley, even Chandler Parsons, there is a lot of pride in that locker room. The Rockets just overwhelmed them with math. They made a lot of threes, and the best part of all, James Ennis was a part of that equation. We all know what he can provide on the defensive end of the floor, but in the preseason, he has brought it on both ends, a perfect complement. And again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. James Ennis checks more of the traditional boxes, and if the Rockets are succeeding with him at the three, I think it's nice to see that Mike D'Antoni, even though he seemed to go into camp with this idea of Eric Gordon possibly as your starting three and kind of revolutionizing his scheme even more with three guards, I'm not going to say that idea is gone, but James Ennis, folks, he earned it. He had a great preseason, and it's continues with each passing game, and it seems that Mike D'Antoni recognizes it as well. And so after a preseason in which he was incredibly good, again, a net rating of plus 22.8 per 100 possessions, it seems that James Ennis is secure as the Rockets starting small forward for the time being. Now with James Ennis as the starting small forward, what does that mean for the rest of the rotation, which in Friday night's 121-103 win in Memphis was effectively on full display for Mike D'Antoni and the Rockets, effectively, again, serving as a dress rehearsal. Well, it means that you've got Eric Gordon in his traditional six-man role. He won it two years ago. Last year, he was a finalist to be six-man of the year, and now he's got some help in Carmelo Anthony. Mike D'Antoni actually called his rotation before the game, saying he feels like he has seven starters, meaning the original five, plus Eric Gordon and Carmelo Anthony off the bench. And in this game, Eric Gordon and Carmelo a combined 5 of 11 from 3, which was great. But what was most telling was that stretch late in the first quarter, early in the second, when they just absolutely overwhelmed Memphis. This thing escalated so quickly. Again, by the 7-minute mark of the second quarter, the Rockets were up 54-27. to 27, And it wasn't just that they were 13 of 23 from behind the arc, which is incredible. The Grizzlies were just one of six. So it wasn't just like the Grizzlies were cold. Eventually, the Grizzlies did get going, finishing 12 of 26. So the box score doesn't make it seem quite as stark a contrast between the two teams. Grizzlies 12 of 26, Rockets 20 of 47. But a lot of the Grizzlies' success came in garbage time. Again, they were certainly not winning this game after the Rockets got up by 27 points. But what was really telling was that stretch late in the first quarter, early in the second, with Eric Gordon and Carmelo Anthony on the floor. And it just felt as if... The Grizzlies, for lack of a better word, were overwhelmed. It wasn't just that they weren't making threes. Again, the Rockets made 13 threes, and the Grizzlies had only taken six. There is so much firepower when you combine both Eric Gordon and Carmelo Anthony off the bench with one of James Harden or Chris Paul still out there to steer the ship. And then you've also got other bombers. Gerald Green is going to have a role. Michael Carter-Williams, assuming he comes back. There is so much firepower on that bench that against opposing second units 
over the 82-game grind, that is going to absolutely overwhelm a lot of teams. We mentioned earlier in regards to James Ennis, if it ain't broke, don't fix it in terms of him checking more traditional boxes in terms of what teams usually start at the starting small forward spot. Well, the same can be said for Eric Gordon and Carmelo Anthony off the bench. Those are classic prototype six-men type pieces. And so, yeah, you can call them quasi-starters if you want, which Mike Antoni appears to be doing, and I think that's fair because they are going to play 25-plus minutes per game. But when you factor in guys like that, going against opposing benches with a Hall of Fame point guard to orchestrate and put them in the right places, either James Harden or Chris Paul, and it'll probably alternate depending on exactly whether it's late in the first quarter, early in the second. There are going to be games over the 82-game grind where the Rockets, just through sheer math, obliterate opponents. It's almost unfair. And the question, it just comes back to, do James Ennis and P.J. Tucker shoot well enough to where you can have both of them in the starting lineup? If they do, and they have thus far, then if you can bring both Eric Gordon and Carmelo Anthony off the bench, you can see some nights where the advantage with the bench might even be greater than the Rockets' advantage with the starters, and that's a starting unit that has James Harden, the reigning MVP, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella. That's how good this bench can potentially be, and sometimes it's not even them. Sometimes it's just the cumulative firepower when you have that many guys out there. It may not be the threes that... Gordon and Carmelo get themselves. It may be the spacing, and then it opens up for Chris Paul, who at times has basically made his own mixtape in this game. It was nice to see Chris, after a somewhat slow start to the preseason, well, he had a great debut, and then the last three games or so, so Chris and this one finishing up with 14 points, 11 assists, made three of five from behind the arc, played 30 minutes, and got out healthy. More on that in a few moments. But that bench unit is just incredible in what it allows you to do. And another reason why I think they're so successful, we've now seen stretches in three of the five Rockets preseason games in which there really wasn't a backup center. I guess you could say four as well, because I was overlooking the game in Shanghai because that's not an NBA opponent. But really, other than the opener, the Rockets have had extended stretches in the last four preseason games in which either Carmelo Anthony or P.J. Tucker has been your five. And does it make you a little bit smaller? Yes, but the Rockets... They're so long, they're so aggressive, there's kind of a gang rebounding approach with those second units that really it hasn't seemed to matter. In this game, Mark Gasol played 27 minutes. He was one of five. In two games against the Rockets, Mark Gasol made a combined two shots. Jaron Jackson was a little bit butter, the top five lottery pick from this year, but he turned the ball over six times in his 21 minutes, the Rockets routinely stripping at his hands inside. So if you're able to play either Carmelo Anthony or P.J. Tucker as your backup five. And it seems that's the direction the Rockets are trending. Isaiah Hartenstein did come back from his ankle injury, but played just 10 minutes, a lot of those in garbage time. Uh, Marquise Chris still out with a sprained ankle and wasn't really that impressive even before that. It seems the Rockets are trending in the direction of not really having a traditional backup five. Now, of course, they'll have options if they need it. If certain matchups are just too tough for the small ball lineups, then of course, they can turn to Chris or Hartenstein or even Nene, whoever it may be. But it seems for most opponents, the Rockets are comfortable going smaller without a traditional backup five. And what that does, if they're able to survive defensively, which to this point they have, especially through just kind of, I mentioned gang rebounding, there's so much cumulative aggression with that grouping. If they're able to survive defensively, and then you add in a fresh Eric Gordon and Carmelo Anthony with a Hall of Fame point guard directing the show going up against an opposing second-team unit, 
that bench is going to be absolutely overwhelming over 82 games. The only question is, do you have enough offense with James Ennis and P.J. Tucker as your starting three and four to make it work? If you do, and I think that's why Mike D'Antoni, again, is starting James Ennis because he's thinking to the upside there, then wow. It's not just what that does for your starters in terms of giving you the defense, the glue pieces around James Harden and Chris Paul. It's also what it does for your bench because when you bring in a fresh Eric Gordon and Carmelo Anthony in those settings, and again, with both of those guys, there's some defensive questions, but you're sort of mitigating those because you're putting them against opposing second-team units. This team can be absolutely overwhelming. That's the word I keep coming back to from a math standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, however you want to look at it. Now, what does that mean for the playoffs against the Warriors? We've got a lot of time to worry about that. As Daryl Morey has said plenty of times, it's not about having the best roster in October. It's about having the best roster on April 15th. So we'll see how the Rockets evolve over the season. We'll see if there are further roster moves in terms of setting up exactly what your rotation is going to be, what the matchups are going to be against Golden State in May. But to get there, to get the same advantage you did a year ago when you had Game 5 and Game 7 at Toyota Center because of your 65-win regular season, you've got to get through the regular season and hopefully be comparably dominant to what you were a year ago so that you can hopefully get the same advantages in terms of home court and everything else that comes with that. Well, so far, so good. I know a lot of it is going to depend on health. We'll talk more on that in just a few moments. But right now, the way it sets up, if James Ennis and P.J. Tucker are enough for you offensively with that starting unit, then the counter is what that gives you with your your bench unit against opposing seconds. And right now, it's tough to see the Rockets as anything uh, much less than what they were a year ago. And in some ways, they might even be better when you factor in the depth, the added versatility that they have, that even on a 65-win team this past year, they didn't quite have. So again, a lot of this can change in the regular season. We'll see what happens when teams start playing harder. We'll see what happens as far as injuries, how healthy do the Rockets stay. But right now, I couldn't be more optimistic. This is a really, really fun basketball team. And with the way the rotation seems to be setting up right now, it's given the Rockets the best of both worlds in terms of keeping your elite defense with Ennis and P.J. Tucker as far as the starting points of games, but it's also giving you even more options off the bench to just quite simply run teams off the floor in those stretches late in the first quarter, early in the second, when opposing teams have their second teams out there. Now, as we close out today's program, just a few general notes, because Again, the preseason finale, I think both of these sides are just ready to get to the regular season. But before we turn the page fully to previewing the Pelicans game, we'll try to have a guest in the next couple of days from the New Orleans side previewing what a lot of folks are saying could be a very surprising team. We know how the Pelicans got through the first round a year ago, sweeping the Blazers, and gave the Warriors at least a little bit of a push, took a game from them, and at times in Game 4, seemed poised to make it a series, ultimately losing in five games. So we'll try and get some perspective from that side as the Rockets get ready for the regular season. But in today's show, as we close out the preseason, we've talked a lot about the 121-103 win over Memphis. And again, both sides, I do think, trying to just turn the page to the regular season. One note that I, individual, that I should have discussed a little more earlier, I mentioned that Carmelo Anthony, three of six from three, that means he finished the preseason shooting 50% from the arc, three of six per game, so it was on high volume. But the best part, I want to give a shout out to Salman Ali of Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. And it's not just the fact that he's making shots. 
Here's a comparison, Mello in Oklahoma City last preseason to Mello in Houston this preseason. So it's an apples to apples. We are talking about the preseason in both cases. Mello last preseason, minus 3.9 net rating, true shooting of barely over 50%, and a usage rating of a sky-high 32.4%. So he was isolation heavy, he wasn't very efficient, and the team was worse with him in the game. Mello for Houston this preseason, plus 2.1 net rating, his true shooting huge increase from 50% to 65.4%, and his usage rating cut in half from 32% to 15.8%. So we've seen a much more efficient mellow. The Rockets are having success. We talked all offseason about how it makes sense on paper, how the Rockets can use him in better positions tactically than the Thunder did, and so far that's exactly what they're doing. I know it's the preseason, but that's why it's pretty useful to compare preseason to preseason, and there were warning signs a year ago in Oklahoma City that it wasn't going to work in the regular season as well as people had hoped. It wasn't like it just started going wrong in the regular season. There were signs in the preseason. Well, there are no such signs in Houston. Right now, Melo is thriving, and the Rockets are better with him on the court, and this week he has been coming off the bench, and I haven't heard any uh, complaints. He seems to be flexible. We've seen him used as a starter. We've seen him used off the bench. We've seen him used as a, even a backup five. We know earlier in his career, he was reluctant to even be a four. And yet, despite being used in a multitude of different roles, he seems to have a right attitude. There's no complaints that I can tell. It's all about the team. And to that end, kudos to him. Really, it's been a great preseason for the Rockets. By the way, they're not practicing today or tomorrow, getting a couple of well-deserved days off because they do want to make sure their bodies are right for the regular season. And For me, that's the biggest thing that I think we need to take out of this is just how dominant this team was. They won four of their five games, but it's not just that they won four out of five. It's how they did it. For the preseason net ratings, offense, 114.2. That's second in the league. Defense, 98.4. That's ninth in the league. So they were top 10 in both, top two in offense. Net rating was fourth overall. And the craziest part of this was that The Rockets really weren't that healthy. Clint Capella and P.J. Tucker, their two best defensive players, each missed 40% of the preseason. So if you want to say, wow, they're top 10 or they're top two on offense, but top nine in defense, which is still really good, would you like to be top five on both? Well, I'm pretty sure they were top five in the games that Clint Capella and P.J. Tucker both played. Those are your two most indispensable defensive pieces. Really, you look up and down the roster, the only guys that played all five games, again, were Chris Paul, James Harden, and... uh, James Ennis. Well, also Gary Clark did, and Clark has been an absolute revelation. We'll see if he has a two-way contract or if he's earned an actual roster spot. But either way, barring injury, I don't think you're going to see him in the rotation for a while, as good as he's been. Look, he is an undrafted rookie. There is some seasoning that still needs to be done from his standpoint. But for the team as a whole, look, it wasn't like it was an overwhelmingly healthy preseason. You had guys in and out of rotation roles. And yet, despite all of that, to be top five in the league overall, to be number two in offense, to be number nine in defense, despite your two best defensive players missing 40% of the preseason each, it's hard to draw up a much more encouraging preseason than that, especially, again, the team overall winning four of the five games. So for a team that did have some questions in the offseason, they're not going to be fully answered into the regular season, but so far, so good. And then the stats, it's not like anybody's slumping either. I know it's the preseason, but you want to make sure that guys are feeling good. Well, James Harden, after finishing well, 7 of 15 in Friday night's big win, 9 of 14 from 3 in his just demolition of Shanghai when he had 37 points in 31 minutes. Harden finished the preseason, bit of a slow start, but then averaging 24 points per game in 32 minutes, 48% from the field, 45% from 3. Chris Paul shooting above 42% from behind the arc, 
P.J. Tucker right at about the same figure, 41.7%. We mentioned James Ennis's numbers earlier. Uh, Eric Gordon, 38% from three. So really, every one of your marquee pieces, they're feeling good. We mentioned Carmelo's numbers earlier, 50% from behind the arc. So everyone seems to be in a pretty good rhythm going into the regular season. The only health question is Michael Carter-Williams. We'll see what happens with Brandon Knight. We are supposed to get an update after the preseason as far as how the infection in that surgically repaired knee is doing, and then we'll see when he returns potentially to the lineup. But it's not going to be easy for him to crack the rotation because this is a pretty deep squad already. And other than Michael Carter-Williams with a little bit of knee soreness, all of your regulars, they seem to be healthy. If you had any concerns about Eric Gordon and Clint Capella, I think they alleviated them Friday night. So this is a team overall looks to be in great form entering the regular season. And to get back to Chris Paul, who, as mentioned earlier, is shooting over 42% from three. He was 3 of 5 in Friday's preseason valley, also averaging 8.6 assists per game in barely over 27 minutes in the preseason. So one of the best point guards ever. He does not seem, even at 33 years old, to have lost any sort of a step. And it's so great to see because when we talk about the margins, we were talking earlier about how do you be comparable to the 65-win juggernaut from a year ago so that hopefully you can again win home court advantage and put yourself in a position where, if not for Chris Paul's ill-timed hamstring injury, you probably had the Warriors beaten in large part because you had Game 5 and Game 7 at Toyota Center. How are you that good again, especially after losing Trevor Ariza and Luke Bamute? And, of course, from a talent perspective, we've talked about that for months. But from an execution standpoint, what happens over 82? Yeah, there are going to be some growing pains because all of, all of these great numbers I've thrown out, look, it is preseason basketball. Teams are going to take it more seriously when things start for real beginning next Wednesday. But what people forget about the Rockets from a year ago, it actually wasn't that efficient of a start. Chris Paul, after bumping knees with Mario Chalmers in the preseason and suffering what ended up being a pretty severe bone bruise, he barely played the first month of the year, missed 14 of the team's first 15 games. So last year, there was the normal integration of Chris Paul and James Harden, which isn't going to have to happen this year because they know each other's games. In fact, they seem to be adding more with each time they play on the court together. But in addition to not having to integrate those two whenever they get going, then you also have a healthy Chris Paul from the outset. And so as great as this team was last year, that's easily forgotten because it happened from mid-October through mid-November. I know a lot of things happened after that, but it wasn't like the Rockets were ready to go from the jump last year. They they were okay in the first month of the year. I believe they started 11-4, and four, but it wasn't anything out of this world. And actually, of that 11-4 and four start, two of the losses came to the Memphis Grizzlies, who ended up not being a very good team overall, although some of that was related to health, but certainly defensively they were a little pesky, especially for an offensive rocket squad that was still trying to find their way. This was the, I guess, the dying last gasp of the grit and grind Grizzlies. Well, now, as we've seen in the preseason, the Rockets playing these Grizzlies twice and handling them both times, the Rockets are now firing on all cylinders, and they're ready to go from the outset. And even compared to a year ago, they had so many things going right but they did not have Chris Paul ready from the outset. No, it wasn't a soft tissue injury that comes from being 32, 33 years old and a little bit injury prone as some have it. No, a bone bruise is just a flukish thing. It can happen to anybody. It happened to Kevin Durant a year or two ago. These things happen. And last preseason, the Rockets were unlucky with that. This preseason, they weren't. Chris Paul, one of the five, uh, one of the only three players who played all five games for the Rockets, and he stayed out there healthy. And that is such a good sign. Obviously, he's put the hamstring injury in the rearview mirror. But beyond that, the fact that he didn't pick up any other injuries and the fact that you're not starting the season with one hand tied behind your back the way they were a year ago, that's an important margin because the Rockets aren't 
going to be as good on paper early in the season as they will be late because they're going to get more pieces back. I don't expect Brandon Knight to be ready for the start of the year, and they do have six new players. There are going to be some growing pains. So really, you know, in terms of the Rockets, can they recapture that 60-plus win form from a year ago? One of the big questions is going to be, do they face too many headwinds early in the season integrating to, you know, or evolving into a slightly new style, integrating new players, that type of thing. But one thing that people don't consider enough is that they had a little bit of a slow start. By their standards a year ago, 11-4 and is a bit of a slow start. And that owed to the absence of Chris Paul not having him from the jump. That is a big difference in the 2018-2019 Rockets compared to the 2017-2018 ones. And if Chris Paul is ready to go from the outset, then in my opinion, you should have an even more dominant Rockets team in October and November 2018 than you did in October and November 2017. Now, will that continue? We'll see. The Rockets, of course, did go on some crazy runs, including, I believe, a 27-2 and stretch over 29 games later in the year. That's going to be tough to replicate. But as we've heard from Gerald Morey, the Rockets are not a finished product. We know they'll be aggressive at the trade deadline. They always are. They've got most of their mid-level exception for buyouts. We talked about that on yesterday's show. And there's all sorts of things they can do over the balance of 82 games. They'll also get Brandon Knight back at some point. So, the idea is to have your best team roster-wise by April 15th. I firmly believe that's Daryl Morey's focus. So the Rockets make it even better throughout the year. So the fact that you can go into October and November already feeling like you're in a better place than you were a year ago, and then you factor in all these other avenues to potentially upgrade later, it's hard for me, barring injuries, not to see this as a 60-plus win team. I know what some of the projections are. I know what they lost in Trevor Ariza and Luke Babute, but so far so good. Training camp in the preseason, it's a pretty special group in a lot of ways that seems to be firing on all cylinders even better than they were this time a year ago when they had a major injury to Chris Paul to deal with. Right now they don't. They've got a healthy Chris Paul. They've got a healthy James Harden. Really, they have seem to have a pretty healthy overall basketball team, and when that's the case, I firmly believe they should be a 60-plus win juggernaut again the same way they were last year, and hopefully that leads to them getting one more crack at the Golden State Warriors next May, again with home court advantage. Of course, that's a long way away, and... As we transition to next week's shows, we'll get more of a short-term focus because we're about to begin the 82-game grind, which starts with the New Orleans Pelicans on Wednesday. We'll try and get some New Orleans perspective in the days ahead to break up that break down that matchup because, again, you can't think about the Warriors now. It's everybody starting from square one. It's day by day, and so that'll certainly be the Rockets' focus, and we'll turn our attention here at Locked on Rockets to that level of uh, macro analysis as well or, excuse me, micro-analysis, I should say, as we turn to the day-by-day portion of the Rockets and this 82-game grind. But until then, this is where we'll break off. As always, thanks to you guys, our loyal listeners, for tuning in. If you want more content before our next show, the best place to get it is on Twitter. I'm on there, at Ben DuBose. Show is on there, at Locked on Rockets. We're also going to email address, LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. Facebook account at facebook.com slash Rockets, Website, LockedOnRockets.com. Always, you can access our content, ask me questions about the team, inquire about becoming a sponsor of this rapidly growing program. Basically, anything we can do to make this a better podcast for you, the diehard Rockets fan, or you, the awesome human being. I would love to hear from you. Also, if you haven't subscribed to us already, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Megaphone, wherever you listen to your podcast, you should be able to find us because we're part of a great network of shows at the Lockdown Podcast Network. So subscribe to us, leave us a five-star review. That's how you'll get episodes right when they come out. And by leaving the positive review, that's how we look attractive to potential advertisers and keep the business model working here at Lockdown Rockets as the most regular podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. 
I also mentioned the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got a lot of shows across the NBA, NFL, MLB, even college sports. So many local experts here in the Houston area. We do have Lockdown Texans, hosted by Robert Land and Brian Patterson. We've also got Lockdown Aggies, hosted by Taylor Travis, covering Texas A&M sports. So if you're a football fan following the Texans, the Aggies, or both, please check out those shows as well. Anyway, that'll do it for today's plugs. Hope everyone has a great weekend and come back next week as we return to form here at Lockdown Rockets, your daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball, and we begin covering the 82-game grind as the Rockets embark on what they hope is the third championship season in the history of this franchise.